Hello and welcome to another edition of the Rabbi Rabinowitz Podcast, hosted by the Jacksonville Colo. Tonight is part three of our Rosh Hashanah Preparation Podcast. Tonight, let's talk about what Rosh Hashanah represents. Now, the main idea of Rosh Hashanah is recognizing that Hashem is the king of the entire world. Now, the truth is, Hashem is not only the king of the world on Rosh Hashanah. Hashem is the king of the world every single day. And, in fact, when we make a bracha on a daily basis, we say, Baruch atah Hashem alakeinu melech ha'olam. Hashem, you are the melech, the king of the entire world. However, there are certain times of year where certain middos, certain attributes of Hashem, or maybe certain ideas, are something that we want to concentrate on more than other times of year. For example, Pesach is a time to talk about bondage and freedom. It's relevant the rest of the year also, but that's unique for Pesach, that that's when we focus on it. So Rosh Hashanah is when we focus on the fact that Hashem is the Melech, the king of the entire world. Now, we believe that every single person gets judged on Rosh Hashanah. And in our Davna, we mentioned an idea that's expressed already in the Talmud, in the Gemara. It says, That all the inhabitants of the world, they all pass in front of you, Hashem, like B'nai Maron. Now, there's a discussion in the Gemara. What do those words mean? What is B'nai Maron? And there's a few explanations but basically, they all give over the same idea. Um, one of them is that you've got a bunch of people that are passing, and the hill that they're, the mountain that they're traveling on, all of a sudden it becomes very, very narrow. And therefore, they can only walk one at a time, because if they would do anything more than that, then they would fall over. So, so too, when we're judged, we shouldn't think like, oh yeah, you know, as long as I'm part of a good group, so you can sort of just like blend in with the group. No, 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 it doesn't work that way. The same way that the people walk by one at a time, so too that's the way that Hashem judges us. Another idea which we say is Kivakaras Roa Edro. This is in the Unisana Tokif part of Davening. Um, that that just like a shepherd goes and the shepherd is sitting there and he's counting his sheep in order to be able to tell how many he has. So again, he's going to go and he's going to make the opening of his uh, fence very, very narrow. So this way when the sheep go through, he can count and inspect each one, one at a time. So too, when we're being judged, that's what's going on. Hashem is judging everybody one at a time. Now, one of the most famous ideas of Rosh Hashanah, which is already expressed in the Talmud, is that on Rosh Hashanah, Hashem opens up three books. One book is the Sefer Tzadikim, the book for the righteous, they get put in the Sefer Ha-Chaim, the book of life. Uh, the other one is the Sefer Hamavas, the book of death, where the Rishayim, the evil people, get inscribed, and uh, they get inscribed that they're going to die. And then you have the Benunim, the people that are in the middle. Now, according to the way that the Rambam defines this, it's very simple. Hashem sits there, he's got a scale, and he weighs, and he looks, and he says... Do you have more mitzvahs than averos? More righteous deeds or more sins? And if you have more mitzvahs, then you get book, you get written in the book of life. If uh, God forbid it's the opposite, you have more sins, then you get written in the book of death. Now the questions over here are quite obvious because, uh, we find people that we seem to be of the opinion, and we probably would not be wrong in this assumption, that they are tzaddikim. But nevertheless, 
at some point, uh, whether it's when they're quote-unquote too young, or even when they're older. For some reason, they're getting put in the Book of Death. And then we have these evil people that obviously should not be put in the Book of Life, but they manage to make it from one Rosh Hashanah to the next Rosh Hashanah. So these are complicated questions, but maybe I'll just say that it's beyond the scope of this podcast where we're just trying to discuss the basics, but... And the basic idea is that we do have these three books. Everybody is making it into one of the books or another one of the books. And then you have the, you have the other book, the Sefer Habenurim, the people that are in the middle. Now, according to the way the Rambam defines it, Maimonides, that means that they're smack in the middle. And if you go that way, you can almost ask yourself, well, then, like, what are the chances? But nevertheless, we assume that many of us, most of us, are, in fact, in that book of Benunim. The, 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 for the people that are smack in the middle. Now, what happens with them? So what happens with them is that on Rosh Hashanah itself, they only get written into the book for the middle. And then that is why we have the 10 days of repentance. During those 10 days of repentance, Hashem watches. And He says, okay, what are you doing? Are you doing Teshuvah? Are you repenting? Are you fixing that which you did wrong? Or... Are you just uh, going on with business as usual and you're not willing to fix anything? And uh, then when Yom Kippur comes, Hashem goes and He looks and He says, how did you use these 10 days of repentance? Did you figure out a way? Because what happens is, the middle book, the book of the Benonim, it only has a life of 10 days. At the end of 10 days, everybody's got to be moved into the right or to the left, either into the book of life or, God forbid, into the book of death. Now, there's a famous explanation. Um, why is it that the only way to work your way into the book of life is through teshuva? What if you just do more mitzvahs now during the 10 days of repentance? Shouldn't that be enough? So there's many answers, but one answer which is uh, very nice and simple is that anything that takes place after Rosh Hashanah is really not part of this year. Is Sorry, is really part of this year, but it's not part of last year. And the judgment is from one Rosh Hashanah until the next Rosh Hashanah. So any mitzvah that we would do this year after Rosh Hashanah wouldn't necessarily affect our judgment. However, if you do Teshuvah, Teshuvah has the power to erase the past. So if there would be a problem, so then in fact... Teshuvah would be able to erase the past, and that's why we need to do Teshuvah. Now, there are a number of changes that we make to our davening, starting from Rosh Hashanah, and continuing all the way until Yom Kippur. Um, these changes mostly appear in the Shemona Esrei, and um, they can be found in the Siddur. Uh, usually they're like highlighted in gray to show you that they are unique to the Aseris you made Teshuvah to the Ten Days of repentance. Most of the changes are important to say, but if one forgot them and didn't say them in the Shemona Esrei, then the silent Amida, so then they would not have to repeat Shemona Esrei. Um, in the middle of the first bracha, we ask Hashem, Zachreinu lechayim, melechafetz bachayim, remember us for life, O King that desires life, He wants us to live. Please write us in the book of life. For your sake, Elohim, Hashem, 
God Chaim. Please put us in the Book of Life. And there's another one in the, in, in the next bracha, and all these are important to say, and uh, sometimes people remember to say them, and sometimes people don't remember to say them. However, the third bracha is the most important, because in the third bracha we say, Ato Kadosh, you are holy, Vashim Cha Kadosh, Ukdoshim B'chol Yom Yahalulu Baruch Ata Hashem, now all year long we're in the habit of saying, Hakel HaKadosh. However, this time of year, because we're concentrating on the fact that Hashem is the king, we change it. And we say, Baruch HaTah Hashem HaMelech HaKadosh. If somebody would forget, and they would not say HaMelech HaKadosh, and they would say HaKel HaKadosh, then they would have to repeat the entire Shemona Esra. What happens if you finish the whole Shemona Esra, and you're like, I don't know. Was I just dominating on automatic pilot and I forgot to do it? Or did I actually remember? So if you don't know for sure, then we have to assume that you did what you normally do and that you probably didn't say it, and then you would have to repeat Shimon Heser, which is not fun. So therefore, it's important, especially for this bracha, to make sure, to remember, to make the change correctly, and to say, Baruch HaTah Hashem, HaMelech HaKadosh. If somebody made the mistake... And they said, HaKel HaKadosh. So they do it, you do have the ability to correct yourself as long as it's within a second or two. The amount of time that it says is the amount of time it would take to say, Shalom Alecha Rabbi Yomori. Um, so you could play back what I just said, Shalom Alecha Rabbi Yomori. See, uh, how long it took me to say that, but it's probably between a second, a second and a half. So if somebody says, Baruch HaTashem HaKadosh, and they quickly correct themselves, so then that's fine, and that's perfect. If, however, they say, Baruch HaTashem HaKadosh, Oy, whoops! And they then go and say, Hamelch HaKadosh, that would be too late. And once again, they would have to go back to the beginning of Shemon Esrei. If you actually started the next bracha, you said, Baruch HaTashem HaKadosh, Atah, Moving into the next bracha. And then you realized, so because you already started the next bracha, even if you're within one second, that wouldn't be good, and you would once again have to go back to the beginning of the Shemon Esrei. There is uh, another big change, and that is in the Kaddish, the, uh, the Chazen, when he, normally he says, uh, which means that Hashem is exalted above any possible praise that we could say, but this time here it's even more than that. So it's, which means exalted and exalted, super exalted. So we, we mentioned uh, we mentioned that in Kaddish. However, there is reasons why the Kaddish should have the exact amount of words that it always had. So therefore, normally we say, min which means from all blessing. However, you can take that word min and just use the prefix mem on the following word. So therefore you say, therefore you keep the same amount of words. I'm not going to discuss the rest of the changes to the Siddur, to the Davening. Basically, the main ones are in Shemona Esrei, and they're all printed there in the Siddur, and one can, one can find them. It is important to note that almost surprisingly, and there's a lot of discussion why this is, but I'm just going to note it for tonight, and that is that on Rosh Hashanah, we don't talk about Teshuvah. We don't talk about our sins. And Rosh Hashanah, that's not our job. Yom Kippur is about doing Teshuvah, recognizing everything that we've done wrong. Rosh Hashanah is about recognizing that Hashem is the King of the world. And in fact, our davening in no way reflects anything about Teshuvah, uh, the Vidui, Ashamnu, Bagadnu. That's all part of the Yom Kippur service. We don't say that on Rosh Hashanah. 
Um, a lot of people argue it would even be improper to say it on Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is about recognizing that Hashem is the king. Now, getting back to what we said before about the three books, there's a special greeting that we say on the night of Rosh Hashanah. And the greeting, in short, is more than just Lashana Tova, but it's Lashana Tova Tikasev Vesechasem, which means uh, for a good year you should be written and sealed. Now the truth is over here is where you really get involved in Hebrew diktuk and Hebrew grammar, because it makes a difference if you're talking to one male or to many males, to uh, to one female or to many females, and uh, in the machzer, so it actually prints uh, all the different uh, all the different options. Um, for a male, you would say Lashana Tova Tikasev Vesechasem. For a female. It means the same thing, but just in female form, we say, Lashana Tova, Tika Sevi, Chasemi. A lot of people in Shul, they walk around with their machzer on the first night of Rosh Hashanah so that they would, in fact, be able to say it correctly. Uh, if that wasn't intimidating enough, so a lot of people have a longer text that they say, Lashana Tova, Tika Sevi, Chasemi, La'alter, L'chaim, Tovim, L'shalom, B'sefer Tzadikim Gemurim, which is that uh, for a good year you should be written and sealed immediately for life and for peace in the book of uh, True Tzadikim. But uh, it's not necessary to say that if you want to be, uh, I guess, cute or maybe uh, just uh, save yourself. So it is fully acceptable when somebody says to you, L'shana Tova, Tekasev, or even the longer version, to say V'chein Lamar, which means, and the same to you. So you don't actually have to go and repeat it word for word. You could just say the same to you. As long as someone else initiated, there's nothing wrong with just responding and saying the same to you. Now, if, because we assume that the judgment is taking place on Rosh Hashanah morning, and the tzaddikim are getting put right away into the book of life, and it's only the benarim, it's only the average people that need the ten days of repentance, we therefore only give this special bracha to people, we only wish them to be written in the book of life on Rosh Hashanah night, because by Rosh Hashanah morning, they're already being written, if they're a tzaddik, into the book of life, and then they don't need to be written anymore. So therefore it says to go and wish somebody on Rosh Hashanah day, that they should be written, that would be insinuating that they haven't made it into the book of life, which of course is not our intention, but that's why we only say this bracha on the first night of Rosh Hashanah. I've heard those argue that even to say Lashana Tova on the rest of Rosh Hashanah would be inappropriate because of the fact that once again you're assuming that you're giving them a blessing that they should be written for Shana Tova, even though you're not using that word, be written, you're just saying, for a good year, may you have a good year. But if the judgment took place on Rosh Hashanah morning, so that would also be inappropriate. I don't know. Classically, people always wished each other from Rosh Hashanah morning and on either a good Yom Tov or a Chag Sameach, but I, I don't know uh, if there's really an issue with uh, saying Shana Tova or, or not, whenever anyone says Shana Tova to me, I respond to them, yes, of course, Shana Tova to you too. And, uh, and, I, and, and I leave it at that. We do have a special custom on Rosh Hashanah that whoever leads the services, which means the chazin, or the Torah reader, or the one who blows the chauffeur, so they wear that special white robe that's called a kittel. It has to do with uh, how solemn Rosh Hashanah is. 
Another thing which is interesting to note about the davening is that normally the rule is that every Shmona Esra, every Amida, so the first three brachos are identical, the last three brachos are identical, and then the middle is where things get different. So during the week, so all the davening of the week, Shachris, Minchamarev, is all the same. Shabbos, so Friday night, is different than Shabbos day, which is different than Musaf, which is different than Mincha. But whenever you daven, so you always know that the first three brachos are going to be the same, and the last three brachos are going to be the same. The one real exception to that rule is on Rosh Hashanah itself, and on Yom Kippur. Besides for the little additions that I mentioned that we say during the ten days of repentance, but the third bracha becomes much longer. After saying, Atta Kadosh, Vishimcha Kadosh, Shukdoshim B'chol Yom, Yahalulcha So normally we just finish off when we say the bracha, Baruch Atta Hashem. But on Rosh Hashanah and on Yom Kippur, there's, uh, four or five paragraphs that we, uh, that we add in where we talk about the fact that, uh, Hashem's, uh, Malchus, Hashem's, Hashem being the king of the world should be recognized and seen by, by everyone. And uh, it should spread across the entire world, and the evil should uh, sh- should should perish, and and we talk about the fact that Ash- that it should spread over everywhere that Hashem is the King, and this is special that we only say on Rosh Hashanah and on Yom Kippur. Just two more points about the davening. One is in the morning at Shachris. So normally the custom is that the uh, the Shachris begins with. So first you have to say, and then the Chazan gets up, and he starts from those words, and Yantif, we start one sentence before. On Rosh Hashanah, so we start about half a sentence before, and uh, the reason why we start over there, because it has there the words, Hamelach, the king. So we're proclaiming that Hashem is the king. Now interestingly enough, I'm not sure where the custom came from, but when the Chazan starts out, so instead of walking up to the uh, to the beam of the Ahmed, wherever it is that the Chazan stands from when he davens, so normally that's what happens. The Chazan walks up and then he begins from there. On Rosh Hashanah and on Yom Kippur, whoever the Chazan for Shachris, so he starts there at his seat, wherever he was, that, wherever he happened to be standing in the shul. And then he has this tune that he sings that's something like... Uh, so he screams out this Hamelch that Hashem is the king, and everybody responds, and they say Hamelch. And then after he said Hamelch, then he goes and he continues from the place that the Chazan typically stands. So it's an interesting custom that we have special for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. The Baal Musaf, the one of Daman's Musaf. So before he starts, after they put away the Sefer Torah, but before we start our silent Shmon Esrei, so he has a special prayer that he recites. Interestingly, he says it out loud, even though it's really a private prayer. Certain parts of it, uh, some people say quietly, some chazans say quietly, um, some chazans say the whole thing out loud. But the chazan starts out and he says, um, mas, which means, here I am and I don't really deserve to be the chazan, because who am I to represent the congregation? And uh, I'm not worthy to be the chazan, I'm not worthy to be the agent to ask for the congregation that Hashem should accept all of their prayers. 
But I ask you, Hashem, please uh, accept my prayers as if I was a chazan and knew what he was doing, as if I had a nice voice, as if I knew how to ask for what it is that needs to be asked for. And uh, and this is how the chazan begins his davening on Rosh Hashanah. Okay, thank you so much for listening. God willing, next time we'll talk about the special foods that we eat Rosh Hashanah night, like uh, apple dipped in honey, and we still have to talk about the chauffeur blowing. Thank you for listening.